Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, hockey world. It's Tuesday, May 17th, 2016. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Jillian Fisher. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Eklund. And you're watching Hockey Buzz Cast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes to you cleavage-free, Monday through Friday, at 1, 1 p.m. I can. Do you want, I mean, do you want some? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, ne- I never turn that down. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> We're good. We're good for now. You're good for now. Okay. See what happens in the, the, the podcast. Then we might need <laughs> middle of the summer when there's not much to talk about, Jillian. Then we'll talk. Then we'll talk. <laughs> but for now, we got we got a lot going on. I like on. how all three of you like didn't know what to say when I said that. Oh, that I know what to say. You know, I, <laughs> That doesn't help on iTunes, believe me. Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't know. Um, this will already be the largest rated podcast, and someone's definitely going to make a gif out of that, Jill. You're all set. Um, so no, let's, let's, let's move on. All right, so let's talk last night. Pittsburgh gets back into it, and man, oh, man, the story of that game was not Pittsburgh getting it back into it, in my opinion, but it was Vasilevsky. I mean, that was, that was the story of that game. I mean, Pittsburgh does tie this series, of course, and that's huge. And Crosby finally scores a goal in overtime, you know, because that's the only thing he hadn't done in his career, apparently, um, was score a playoff overtime goal. But Vasilevsky last night, I mean, just insanity. I mean, he was just off the charts. I mean, this guy... Crazy-like extension, yeah. Yeah, this guy is absolutely... I mean, I've, I've said it before, in two years from now, Bishop is a free, is a UFA, and uh, not this year, but next year. And I think Brent, Ben Bishop may become one of the highest-paid goalies in, in NHL history because I think he's going to go off and the, the lightning, this is, this is the, this is where the lightning save their money. You know, this is where the lightning can, can, can make it so they don't have to pay Bishop right away. And I've and been it, saying that for half a year now. Yeah. I mean, they, they don't need to have these, this, this, this is a, a definite, you know, um, luxury to have two goalies like this. And then they, they can, they can, Vasilevsky, who a lot of people think might be the better of the two anyway, down the line, uh, Bishop, Bishops could be out, Bishop could be out of there. Now, what do you do? I mean, Bishop's healthy. In the past, they've shown they've gone back to Bishop. Um, if, if Bishop's okay, I mean, but if you get games like that one, what do you think? What do you think, Russ? Well, they still have to go back to Bishop, but I think in the off season, I would be shopping Ben Bishop. I would, I would shop him already because I know about these other contracts that I have to do, and Vasilevsky is a guy that, at some point, is going to need to start playing more games right. because he's not playing enough games. I mean, he's a guy that's ready but not playing enough games. And so I think at the end of the day, they could only buy their time for so long with this. And let's face it, Bishop is getting more banged up as the years go on here. And I would try and move him over the summer. But as far as this series, you have to go back to Bishop. You can't mess with it right now. Well, that was the point I was going to make, Russ, because he's been hurt in two consecutive playoffs. So I I know he's a great goaltender. I know he's one of the best goaltenders in the league. He may very well be able to demand high money in free agency after next year. But you also have to factor in the fact that he was injured in the playoffs last year. He's injured again now, and that has to mitigate the you know what they could get back in a trade or what he would be able to demand in free agency. To, to your point, also, 
they had to send Vasilevsky down at times during the year to get him work. I mean, right. he, this Bishop was playing so many games in a row. I saw Vasilevsky play in Toronto for Syracuse against the Marlies. Um, so then I think he was sent down two or three times. They would call up Gudlevskis, let him sit behind Bishop, and let Vas Vasilevsky get two or three games. You know, if they keep Bishop, it's probably going to be the same thing. Bishop will play 55 to 60 games. Vasilevsky will play 22. And then, you know, but yeah, I think this proves if they continue to go with him, he's the number one goaltender. He's just the number one goaltender in waiting. Yep. All right, just got another text about the uh, about the woman behind the bench. But apparently... <laughs> we got a priority. She's, no, this, is my, this is my number one priority right now. Uh, apparently she is not, um, she's not a season to go over. And does appear to just have shown up. And will she be there? You know, I mean, I'm sure that's a expensive yeah. thing to get. And, you know, I'm sure... You know, you don't just go on StubHub and get that. So somebody knows. Oh, I think you can just go on StubHub and get it. That's the funny yeah, thing. Because, because StubHub has a seat-specific location. You yeah. can, like, if it's behind. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I, I, well, let's, let's, let's try. Let me see if I can at least see. Mike, I know you want to go. Mike, I think if I send you to research and talk to her personally, like if I can get another seat right next to her, will you go? <laughs> and, um, no, I'm, I'm not interested. I'm not interested. <laughs> no. I mean, there are plenty more, plenty more ladies that I would prefer to sit next to at a hockey game. Yeah, yeah I know. Like I said, kept thinking my, I overinflated my tires, had to run out to the garage. Um, but it's interesting, um, the situation the Lightning are in, because I wouldn't say it's exactly the same as the Penguins, but it's a similar situation where their yeah. backup goalie is a starting goalie. I mean, they, they're both in a similar type of situation. And again, with the Lightning, too, with Drew Ann, he was also the one that was requesting more minutes because th this is this seems to be an interesting thing the Lightning team has is that they have so much talent that's not getting enough time to play. I mean, we're seeing it now with Duran, but it's just interesting to me that they have so much talent in some of these areas. But what do you do with when you have not when you have too many but not enough time to play them? Yeah, well, it's all, where, it's do almost, where do you go? Where do you go at this point? You know, I mean, you do have. I mean, there is definitely. Signs of Murray last night. Not that he was terrible at all, um, but he was shaky. He did not look confident. And as the game went on, there was a there was a play right down towards the end of the game where he really made a bad, bad almost you know almost botched a glove save that turned into a rebound that could have been a huge problem. Um, but you know Murray is because Murray just running out of steam. It's very possible. I mean he's a young goalie. I mean, this is a lot, this yeah, is a lot of pressure over a long period of time. And um, you know, Mark Andre Fleury, they asked him if he was ready, and of course, like, he's like, he's like, oh, I'm ready, I'm ready, whenever you know, whenever they want to put me in there, I'm ready. So, well, it, 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 to Jillian's point, it's almost an exact situation between the two because, I mean, Fleury, you know, the only difference is Fleury signed an extension last year, I believe, a four-year extension, and he's got another three years left in his contract. He's got, con he's had injury problems now, concussion that's kept him out for a while. Now, Murray has played wonderfully, so he's probably fully recovered from the concussion, and just because Murray has played doesn't mean that he's been out this long. But, again, team it will mitigate team's interest. They, you know, Flurry, I believe, is 32 or 33 years old. I think he's maybe may a year younger. I'm not looking at his profile. But he's been to a few cups, so he's got, you know, it's, it's tougher to get rid of him than Bishop, in my mind. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you look at the situation objectively and say, these goaltenders are great, they're veterans, they're proven, they're also expensive, and it will be tough to move them and get equal value. And that's why I think, you know, like the situation with, with Tampa, and we'll get into the game, but the situation with Tampa with Bishop is, 
I don't think they're going to get equal value for him. And if they've made the cup, you know, the, the conference final two years in a row, and potentially the cup final two years in a row, if they're going to lose Stamkos, which I, a lot of people believe they are, you know, they're not going to want to rock the boat and move and and move any other key pieces off of that roster. They're going to want to probably stay as much status quo as they possibly can. You know, maybe they trade Bishop at the deadline next year if they if they're confident that Vasilevsky can step in. But as for the game last night. The thing that I, I took from it, and Eric Erlinson pointed out in his column today, and it was a really good column, was the fact that Tampa, you know, Tampa had most of the advantages. They were down 2 nothing. They came back, tied the game 2-2. And in the third period, they sat back like like they were letting Pittsburgh come to them. They didn't, Not to say they didn't show any killer instinct, but you're playing with house money. You really should have been playing a little looser and going for the win because if you bury Pittsburgh two games, down two games nothing in Pittsburgh, you got them you got them where you want them. Instead, I think they sat back a little bit, waited to make, waited for Pittsburgh to make a mistake. They yeah. didn't, and then they scored the goal early in overtime. And now you know they get one game in Pittsburgh, and that's good, but having two games, winning two games in Pittsburgh would have been much better. Well, Strawman came back in, and you know, and honestly, he he scores a nice goal in the beginning. But beyond that, was you know definitely shaky at times, and and you know was a problem on, on two of the goals, the first goal and the last goal. Uh, Strawman got caught. He hasn't both. played in six weeks, so he yeah, hasn't played, he hasn't played in six weeks. And there is something about bringing players back who, after long stretches of time, in the middle of a team that is winning in the playoffs, like there's this has always been an issue. I've seen it before. You know, this is not the first time. This is also you know. Why would you not bring Strawman back? Of course, he's a great defenseman. You'd have to bring him back. But there is sometimes an adjustment period. There is there is ten, tends to be, you know, just like we always talk about, if someone goes hurt, gets hurt, someone else has to pick it up, and other people pick up this pick up the slack. There tends to be a letting go of the slack at times when someone comes back. You see this like where players don't play the same level they were playing because oh Strawman's back now. We can sort of relax a little bit. And I got a sense of that. And I think you would get we'll get the same thing when Stamkos returns to the series, which is a tough thing too. Um, because you really do see that these teams are playing, you know, they're they're like a finely oiled machine, and when they're winning, especially in hockey, there's so much superstition involved with it. Like we're winning just the way we are. We're gonna not change anything, and then you know you throw big players back into the lineup, yeah, and it should be better, but and you have to do it with their healthy, but. Not yeah, but more, but more, less so with Stamkos in the sense that they're not putting Stamkos back on one of the top two lines. The way it looks is they're going right. to put him back on the fourth line. If they put him back like with Kalorn and Drouin, say for example, you know, then his being rusty after being out for six weeks. I think would affect them a lot. If he's playing with Nemestikov and JT Brown and maybe being on the second power play, I don't think it's going to really adversely affect Tampa that much. It won't. It won't be forever. Here, here's some things. So I researched tickets. You can get tickets for tonight or tomorrow, like a thousand or fifteen hundred bucks down low. I don't know how low, but right. down low. So you can get them. I was going to say, in the regular season, you can buy them up against the glass. I do know, so the playoffs might be different, or they might all be gone. But I do know that StubHub does have the functionality where you can, and it says like on the glass, it'll tell you where it, it is actually on the glass. Yeah, I know this because I went to go buy them one time. So. Well, I've, done, I've done it with my daughter, especially for AHL games. When I take, when you take your kids to AHL games, I always take them. To, I always sit on the glass with the kids so they yeah. can, because it's like thirty or forty bucks to sit on the glass, and it's just like. It does. If you ever get a chance to take your kids to an NHL game, do that. Just send the money and take them and sit on the glass because it's amazing, you know, what the, the experience that they get watching hockey, like, directly in front of them. Like, the ability of no, nothing, you know, between them and the, and the rink, it's awesome. And There's we definitely have... tickets for sale. The, the other thing I wanted to say about the game, and then I'll let you go, Mike, sorry. Um, 
first off, Pittsburgh came out as, as hard as we thought they would, as fast as they thought they would, and and that was smart. The Malcolm Crosby line worked great, so I think they're going to keep them together. That was fine. I mean, maybe that's what you need to do to wake up Crosby. I mean, Crosby, you know, obviously got the big game winner. I thought, I thought they played Strawman too much, Tampa. I thought, like, at the end when he had that mistake, you're setting him up to fail. He hasn't been in there in forever, and now you're sort of putting him back into a role that I don't think he was – He's not 100%. Like, I know there's coaches that say, well, if you're playing, you're 100%, right? But but they're not. And so I think that's something where they have to sort of adjust, and I think Pittsburgh took advantage of it. I think the extra speed from Schultz was definitely on display, and and that helped. And I think even though Mata may be the better defender because he's not 100%, it was better to have Schultz, and probably going forward it's better to have Schultz in there and let Mata heal, and then maybe at some point you switch him back out. I think that was kind of important too. I just I looked at the Tampa game and I said they were missing Ryan Callahan. I know he's not scoring goals, but you know what? He's a leader in their locker room. He is a pest on the ice. He lays those big hits, and with him not in there, it was a different team. I know we're missing Stamkos already, but Stamkos and Callahan, that was a lot for them to overcome and probably too much. Especially especially when Callahan not aside from the hit on Latang. Right after he got out of the penalty box on the at the after the five minute five minute boarding penalty, he went after get somebody again and basically was yeah. saying, "You're not stopping me. I'm gonna I'm gonna ram you guys through the back back boards." Right. And he continued continued to do that all night. Now apparently he had the flu, so that was the reason he was he sat out. Was, food poisoning. Food po- well, then, Yeah, I'm sure somebody in Pittsburgh gave him the. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, there was somebody, somebody who joked, there was like, I'm sure somebody at the hotel is getting a raise for for the food poisoning. <laughs> yeah, and, and <laughs> what do they call that? What's that place? That hotel right across from the arena that we always plate. There's the Hilton place. They have the spirit. I forget what it's steelhead something. Oh man, I'll think of it. But there's a whole thing right across from the Pe- Penguins arena where we've stayed about. I'll a special delivery Paranti Brothers and. Yeah, yeah. To X point, and I, I think it's a it's a really good one. Why, thank Strawman, you. Strawman played eighteen thirty nine. He played almost nineteen minutes. He was the second highest ice time That's on X point. To my point. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I agree. Yeah, thanks, 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 Russ. Uh, I'm, I'm <laughs> around here. Yeah, hey, I mean, I mean, he played he played more than Carl. He played more than Coburn. The only play the only defenseman he didn't play as much as was was Hedman. Yeah. And, you had seven defensemen, so the whole purpose of having seven defensemen was to spread out the minutes more and to play him 18-39. And I, I get it. Late in the game, you want your best defensive pairing out there, and I'm sure he, he, he they had they had uh, Hedman and, and Strawman paired. But still, that that's that's just too much. He had a mistake late in the game. I'm just saying, if you're gonna if you know you're gonna save him for late in the game, then let that seventh defenseman play more in garbage time late in periods like the front late in the first period. You know, maybe early in the second period, do it that way. But he definitely played too much. I just didn't have the data to back it up. But thanks, Mike. Thanks for thinking about me. How about Crosby only played 17 minutes? I mean, that was also very strange, in, in my opinion. I mean, for him, you know, he had a rough first game, I guess, but and they were playing him less. But, you know, and obviously um, he's been separated from Ed Sheeran. I always call him Ed Sheeran. Obviously, it's Connor Sheeran. <laughs> Ed Sheeran is a singer. Wow. Connor Sheeran, um, Ed Sheeran, yeah. That's a good, good Well, I'll say this. He's a singer. Ed Sheeran is very good, very talented writer, songwriter. By the way, you just—have you ever listened to Ed Sheeran? Really? I have. I've tried. I put earplugs in. No, he is really. I put earplugs in. Like the actual music was playing, or the music was playing, and you put earplugs in. I put it to block the music. Do you like Ed Sheeran at all? Me? Yeah. Yeah. 
I like his music. Yeah, I think he's, I think he's a crazy talented guy. But That's anyway, not a great ringing endorsement, but anyhow. No, Connor Sheary, who's not Ed Sheeran in any way, shape, or form, was was taken off the off the Crosby line, and um, you know that was and, and, and really on the bench. I mean, Connor Sheary just for what it's worth, he he was you know he was the guy who gave Crosby all this you know short term. Which, which, by the way, can we now just make the case that anything that coaches say or anything that is reported before games regarding line alignments is a is a complete load of crap? Because of yesterday, what they what they said was we're gonna move we're gonna move Hornquist down to the second line with Malkin. We're going to put Sheary up on the top line. You know, yeah. we're gonna yeah. And no, what they did was they put Crosby with Malkin. Yeah, it's like right. you know, okay, so so this is Mike Sullivan, as Russ has said. Before this is from the Tortorella school. This is the you know this is the yeah, disinformation course. campaign. This is like the Donald Trump campaign actually. <laughs> so, no. Yeah, but so so you know you just have to go into the game not basically not believing anything that is being spewed being spewed by the coaches because I, I just don't think that they're going to tell you the the truth. Can I ask your guys' opinion on a comment that was made about Sidney Crosby's work ethic? Yeah, I'm curious what you all thought of it. Personally, I thought that was a little bit yeah out of line. I didn't think I don't think it it, it looked like he was working. I don't think I would question his work ethic. Well, you t t tell everybody the comment, Joe. Um, an an analyst had commented that maybe Jeremy Sidney. Jeremy Roenick. Jeremy oh, Roenick. We can say I, who it is. I, I was. I mean, I just it was an analyst. Yeah. Jeremy Roenick said that maybe he should look at the work ethic of Duran every night. That Crosby should look at Jonathan Duran's work ethic, which is like, can you go back maybe like a couple of months and see if you ever, if you can't make that comment several months ago, you shouldn't make it now. I wonder how Mike feels about that when Mike went to cover Duran in a game that he didn't show up to play in um, earlier. This <laughs> yeah, can we go back to last year's Stanley Cup playoffs when basically uh, John Cooper had to be dragged kicking and screaming to put Jonathan Duran into the lineup? No. I mean, I He's you know, a talented but, uh, player, but I don't know if you compare his work ethic to somebody else's. Like he's not, no, he's not who I'm going to compare work ethics with. It was out of line. I mean, look, everybody was looking for excuses why Crosby wasn't scoring. He still was doing plenty of other things on the ice. I mean, here, here's the reality. Back in the day, Wayne Gretzky, when he scored, he didn't do a lot of other things on the ice. He didn't have to. They didn't ask him to. Crosby yeah. does so many other things. He yeah. forechecks. He, he plays defense. He does a lot of things. He is a responsible player. When he's on the PK, he's playing for real. Like when Gretzky was on the PK, he was playing to score. Yeah. And so I think it's really unfair, Ronick, to say that now. Has Drouin amped up his work ethic to what it used to be? Absolutely. He's been a beast. But, yeah, you can't compare it like that. That was just – I think that was JR just sort of giving a little dig. Yeah. And that was his opportunity to give a little dig at Sidney Crosby and whatever. No, but you know, you know what? It, it, it's – not uncommon when it comes to Crosby, because if you remember, in 2010, there were a lot of people, Canadian media and American media, who were criticizing Crosby for not producing. And mm, let me see, who scored that golden goal for Canada in the in the gold? Yeah. Oh, don't remind us. No, don't don't get me wrong. Like I mean, I was rooting for Team USA, but I'm saying the guy is such a talent that you know, I mean, I'm sure that part of the game plan that John Cooper is putting forth for Tampa Bay is neutralize Sidney Crosby, and that's why they have Malkin on the line. So it's going to be tough for him to really stand out like he normally does. Well, you know, Jeremy's got egg on his face because look who scored the goal 40 seconds into overtime. Yeah. And it was a, and I mean, there was a lack of defense. There was a defensive breakdown there, but also that that was a nice 
very pretty goal. It was a, he, yeah. When you watch, you're like, it's almost like he, you think he heard that one. I was like, take that. Like, talk about my work ethic. It was nice. But he, he also had another shot in that game that could have been a goal that was out of a bouncing puck that very few players could even get a shot on goal on, and he still went top shelf with it, which was crazy. Yeah. Oh, I know. I mean, Drew Ann's crazy. He's a crazy talented player, obviously. No, no not Drew Ann. This was, this was Crosby. Oh, Crosby. Well, yeah, I'm sorry. Crosby, yeah, Crosby's goal was phenomenal. I mean, that's, that is, it's vintage Crosby, you know, kind of dropping down to a knee and putting it up, up in the upper corner. That's like a, that's a crazy Crosby shot. Well, after, I don't remember if it was after game one or sometime during game one when I, th- in, our, in our text conversation that all of us have, I, I basically said, uh, NHL general managers after watching Duran score a goal, just like, uh, forget, forget he's on the market. Yeah. yeah I want to say this too. Crosby's got 47 goals in 113 playoff games. So even with that drought, that's a pretty amazing goal total. And he's got 130 points in 113 playoff games. Nobody in hockey is probably even close to that production. Nobody. Oh, you're you're, you're absolutely correct. And you know, I mean, you know, I mean, Ovechkin has done some pretty has some pretty good good playoff statistics. But I think that you know that is also there were a couple. There was one time late in the game where Crosby threw a really big check on Hedman um, behind the net that. Um, I was really, I mean, that was one of those, he threw everything he could, you know, like, it had been yeah. as big as you possibly can, and Crosby could have easily gotten himself hurt by throwing this check. This was a, ser- it was a serious throw. I mean, Crosby is one of my favorite players of all time. I mean, he always has been just, and that's a hard thing to say in Philadelphia because he's hated around here, but I just think that, honestly, he is such a, I've always felt that Crosby is the most talented grinder ever to play the game, and that that's that's my theory on him. He's, he's, he's a superstar, but he's not like a superstar like a Gretzky or Lemieux or players like that. He grinds it out, you know, and he and work ethic is not an issue with Sidney Crosby. That's just that's an insane. But, thing. But then he wanted to score too. It's not like he's trying to not score. Like it's not like he's skating around like, oh, I'm totally fine not scoring and not feeling like I'm contributing. Like I, that, I love that. That's no, that's a, he's a competitive guy. Any guy in the NHL is never going to be okay with feeling like they're not going to contribute or wanting to help the team out. But when it, but when a team neutralizes another player's offensive output. He's got to contribute other things. That's the criticism that a lot of people, I mean, you know, I, I was never big a big Gretzky fan. Obviously, he, he's one of the greatest players of all time, but one of the problems with him was what Russ, what Russ said. Defensively, I thought he was inept. His best defense was the fact that he was continually attacking and putting everybody on their heels. So, you know, Crosby, when he doesn't generate offense, he can check. He's good along the boards. He, you know, he can basically out-neutralize the other player offensively. So, I mean, he's got other aspects of his game that that, that are beneficial. What, what I think is not lost here, but the series now is 1-1 going back to Tampa. Tampa got what they wanted. I mean, I'm sure they would have loved to have won two games, but they got the split. And this is not like a team that's going to get, like, I would say, overconfident. You know, John Cooper will keep them in check. And if they do get Stamkos back, for game three, I think that'll be an even bigger emotional lift. I mean, I thought Pittsburgh was going to win this series, but now I think it's a dead-even series because Tampa Bay is not going to be pushed around. So here's something interesting about Ovechkin. So he's got 82 points in 84 games, 41 goals. So he's six less goals in 29 games for Crosby, but he still doesn't have the same kind of point production that Crosby does. So even as great as we think Ovechkin is, but but everybody's been a, cr- a critic of him in the playoffs. But the thing is that that's a product of him being, for most of that time, the biggest weapon, the only weapon on the Caps. Right. Only in the last couple of years has there been, you know, more guys to take the heat off of him. 
But still, 41 goals in 84 games is tremendous. It is. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. I mean, the save, I mean, you know, there were a lot of great moments in last night's game. Obviously, the save, the Veseleski save on Crosby, one of the biggest ones. Yeah. Um, I wanted to show that one to everybody. But it was, it was, yeah, I mean, this was just, this was a crazy, crazy, crazy cool, good save here. Hopefully this will work. And this is why he was drafted in the first round, because of that leg extension. Yeah, so you can see here. Yeah, he moves, and you're just like, you don't expect a big guy like that to move. You're, it's <laughs> Watching it, you're like, how is he doing that? He kind of looks like a crab in this pose that he's frozen into. Now here, here, here's, uh, I mean, Vasilevsky has another year on his contract on his entry-level deal making $925,000. Bishop, both him and Bishop are free agents. But he's an RFA. Bishop's a UFA after next year. Yes. So really... Eisenman doesn't have to do a thing. He True. could stick. He could stick with Bishop and Vasilevsky. Have the best goaltending tandem. In oh the yeah, for one more year for sure. Yeah. And now, if he finds if he finds a deal out there and somebody overpays him for Bishop, then I'm sure he'll do it. But the thing is, you're trading for a guy who's one year away from free agency. So I think that will mitigate any potential trade of Bishop in the offseason. Not any. There's a team that's always going to look for a one-year goalie. There is. Sure. I'm not saying there's. it's impossible. I'm saying that it's it's definitely possible. I'm just saying I don't think that, you know, just like Yaroslav Halak did not get a – and I'm not comparing the two, but just like Yaroslav Halak didn't get a great return for Montreal after that big playoff year in 2010. Maybe St. Louis would want Bishop. Oh, wait, never mind. Oh, that's right. Yes, mm-hmm. that's right. He's such a legend in that town, too. That's the crazy thing about him. Like, he was, you know, as a, as a kid growing up in, in, in the St. Louis area, you, you know, people were talking about him. I remember, I remember Andy Strickland talking about him when he was, like, a 10-year-old. Just and crazy. They traded, him for, they traded him for nothing. They traded him for yeah. a second. I believe it was a second-round pick. I yep. know. Goalies are weird. You know, you have, the way you have to be patient with them, and you have to put them in the right situation. And so much with goalies, I, I do believe, depends on the kind of team that's playing in front of them. There are goalies that play better. Oh, absolutely. They play. It's a huge part of it. I've, I've always felt this way, that having a good defense in front of you can make a, a good goalie great. And then when you get that confidence all of a sudden, then they're making these big saves. Because I think a lot of it is a lot of mind games for the goalies, too. I mean, it's obviously if they're not go- if they're not going to be a great goalie or a good goalie having a good defense in front of you is not going to change that but it can really help you and not just that but just even even some goalies that you know some teams like the devils are a perfect example marty brodor was the perfect goalie for that situation because brodor was able to play a game where he only got 15 shots on him and right. and a couple of shots that came came to him would be great shots and you have to be ready for them bishop has shown that ability as well the ability to be in there and be able to keep his mental stability. There are some goalies in the league, you know, um, I think Steve Mason's a good example in Philadelphia, who's not always as great if you don't get as many shots on him. Um, right. You know, but he's a great goalie, and then some goalies who just completely thrive on, you know, getting tons of shots. Like Luongo is a good example. Luongo, the more shots you get on him, the better he is, too. But, you know, other he's, he can be a problem if you don't get a lot of shots on him. I so, yeah. think, though, about just this, this playoffs in general, especially the conference finals on both sides, is goaltending is huge. I mean, it's just, it's in the uh, cap, capitals, listen to me, the Lightning and Pens, I mean, you hear all about goaltending. And then even with the Blues, I mean, Elliot was a big reason for them winning that game in game one. So it's goaltending is a huge story. It's a huge storyline. He was. And uh, Hitchcock came out and said today how he was really disappointed in the way they played game one. Um, despite the win, you know, and saying that they have a better level to play that, and I do agree with them. I mean, they they have played a lot better than that in the playoffs for sure. So I think I think you're going to see a different Blues team tonight. 
and, and you know, the the question is, you know, do the Sharks have more too? I think the Sharks have more as well. I think both those teams really didn't come out with their full full game, even though the Sharks at times dominated the game. I think mm-hmm. I think you, you, there's another level that neither of those teams were, both those teams were coming off of the kind of emotional wins in their last series, and neither team had was up for game one necessarily. But you'll see it tonight, I think. It's funny because three of the four teams that are you know in the conference final have playoff neophytes in goal. They they don't have a lot of experience right. in Jones, Vasilevsky, and Murray. And the one that does have experience has bad experience up until this year because he's all, he was always been a, a guy who did not come through for his team in the playoffs, and this year has has played better. But yeah, I mean St. Louis better step up their effort because it's it's generally in, generally acknowledged that they got outplayed by San Jose in Game One, and they were pretty lucky to win. I, I think that you know you're going to need you know you're gonna need Daddy Der, Dad, Daddy Tarasenko. Uh, playing at his at his utmost. And, and, <laughs> sorry, and, Daddy Tarasenko is a new nickname. I'm sorry, that's a how I'm going to hear it for the rest of the game. That's the best experience. <laughs> having having been through the having been through the birth, the imagine the miracle that is childbirth a couple times now. He's got the best excuse not to be with his wife tonight. Like it, it, it's like it's normal. Like normally, it, I'm telling you, like I when my both my kids were were born, I. Was spent was in the hospital for four straight days, you know, sleeping on a folding chair basically, and it was it was agonizing, you know, it was awesome, but it was agonizing to be there because it was really, you know, hospitals. My daughter was born on Memorial Day weekend, so it was like there was a it was a ghost town, and it was really bizarre. So um, I would have skyped it, but that's just me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that wouldn't. I'm I'm waiting I'm waiting for the I'm waiting for somebody carrying a sign in uh, in St. Louis to have Vlad the dad. That'll be that. so. Oh, somebody will have that. One. That's a great sign. Glad the dad. Well, the great. The, my, my real quick story about this is really funny. Um, my um, we had a we had a. Do you remember? Everybody remember? Probably remember. A lot of people remember Bert the dog, who was our dog before Buzz, yeah. who was who did predictions for Hockey Buzz. He was he was kind of a little famous. He was a great corgi. Um, when when our we had him before he was our first kid in our family here. So before he had, we had him before my and my daughter. My daughter was born, and everybody said, um, you know, the first so the first night she's born, they they, they give them a little they give them a little like outfit and a hat and all the stuff that they that they sleep in, and they said they said Do you have a dog at home. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we got a corgi at home. Said, oh, we well, should take this hat because it has the smell of your baby on it. Take this hat back to the dog ahead of time and show it to the dog so that mm-hmm. the dog will not be threatened by the baby when she comes in. I said, oh, great, no problem. My wife's like, yeah, you got to do that. So I didn't do it the first night. I'm like, oh, I forgot the hat. Okay, I'll go the second night. I bring the hat back. So I go back and I bring the hat there, you know, and everybody was really nervous. Like, oh, make sure you show the hat to Bert. Make sure you show the hat to Bert. So I gave the hat to Bert, and he, he proceeded to rip it to shreds in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> Just tore it apart, like completely ripped it. So I go back to the hospital. I'm like, um, did you show Bert the hat? That's the hat. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I showed Bert the hat. Sorry. Uh, I showed Bert the hat. Did he? Did he like it? Yeah, he liked it a lot. Um, he ate it. He we're ate good. It. We're good. He liked it so much he ate it. We're good. Yeah. So, although I mean, they never did attack our daughter when he, she came home, but it was kind of disconcerting. We're like, what is going to happen if we bring her into this house? There, yeah, there is so much stuff that goes on though, like emotionally when you have a child. That's like the thing that is hard to. It's hard. You know, I know he's going out to play, play, play tonight on the ice, and it's a probably probably thrilled that he can do it, and you know. But there's so much that goes through your head. I mean, the child, if the child's healthy and everything, that's great, and everything's probably fine. I haven't heard anything like otherwise to the, to otherwise. But often there's little things wrong with little kids, you know, that they're no big deal. But you got to go through it. 
you know, so I, and, and everybody's very nervous and, you know, I'm sure his wife, I hope his wife has family or, I mean, they're Russian, right? So I think his wife's Russian as yep. well, from what I remember. So I'm hopefully, they're, hopefully the family's over here to help her out because it's nerve wracking being, it's, it's nerve wracking to be in the hospital for a woman, you know, right after the baby's born by herself. So, and right now, you know, Tyra's thing is not you have a life that you're now responsible for. Could you imagine? It's incredible. Like, Here you go. And it's like, what do oh, I do? Oh, yeah, now? no. That was my wife. My wife and I had an expression. It's your turn not to kill the baby. That was what we used to say. <laughs> I'm like, okay, your turn not to kill the baby. And we would you give hand the baby to each other, and yet we would try our best not to kill the baby. Um, there, there is a reason I am childless. It's out of choice. <laughs> <laughs> it gets better with, with, with kids. With kids, it gets better. And then it gets worse. But it gets better again. Um, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so that's, that's just inside. Um, I do have a rumor to talk about tonight, too. Uh, yeah, let's so, talk about this. So Patrick Laine, who um, is currently playing against the Canadians as we speak in this uh, battle of undefeateds, um, is uh, is obviously you know not is is considered now the second pick in the draft. Has just basically found that spot, and you know the Winnipeg Jets. I can't imagine why they would consider trading him at all. He seems like he's doing everything they want him to. However. You know, apparently Sheveldayev has had discussions with people and has had, you know, he's very, very secretive GM when I say this, so it, it's hard to say whether this is 100% accurate or not, but there's enough people telling me that there are there are considerations here that, that makes me wonder if there is a consideration that Winnipeg would, would ask for, like, a King's Ransom for this kid as a possible draft. And, you know, in some teams, like, I heard the Flyers could get involved with this, like, a, and it would, be a, it would be a major deal. It would be, like, Braden Shen. It would be Travis Sanheim. It would be, it would be Moran. And possibly something else, or possibly connect me involved in this. I, just you know, how much do you give up, Russ, for this guy? I mean, where, where's the what, what do you think? Of the I wouldn't give up that much, and they would want picks. And the problem with Winnipeg is they want cost certainty. They're a small yeah. market team, and they can't add a lot of guys that are going to be RFA's or impending free agents like Braden Shen. Like they can't right. do that. If anything, they're going to be dealing back some salary in a deal like this while they're getting more draft picks, and young players. So I don't salary, think... Some salary could go as well. I think that you're right about that. I've heard that too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I think that the idea is they want players who can help them right now. That's what, they, that's, what, that's what I've heard. They want well, players who can help them right now. Like I just, at the end of the day, and even though that's not Shepard Dayoff's way is to play a kid right away, Liney could help him right away. You had that kid for five, six years before you have to worry about paying him a big salary. I don't see why they'll do it. They'll definitely entertain discussions. I agree with that, and I'm sure he's having them. And he doesn't really tell anybody anything. No. But, but he's going to entertain it because he has to, because there is that interest. But at the end of the day, it's like the Eric Lindros trade. I think the Flyers did a smart thing because it built them a building. They were getting a little saggy in the, in the attendance. People were getting a little fed up at that time, I remember. And it helped attendance tremendously. But at the end of the day, the trade didn't help them. They never won a cup. But but the, but the Avalanche definitely won a cup because of that trade. So you have to be careful of that stuff. Well, the, the thing is, because you mentioned three teams in, in the rumor, and if you look at what happened with the Flyers this year and, and their situation where they have a boatload of young defensemen and maybe they can parlay that into a, into a big player, that adds up. The Habs are looking to change the subject when it comes to, you know, the, 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 there's a talk out there about Subban. They're looking maybe to add a big-time player. Making a deal for a line might make sense. I, I honestly think that if, 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 they, if, that, if there was something between those two teams, that Subban would have to be involved. But then the thing is, is that Winnipeg is, 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 a cat, is, not a, is a budget team, and he's the highest-paid defenseman in the NHL, so it's going to be really tough. 
Toronto is a non-starter, especially with the players that were mentioned in this. There is not a not a mm-hmm. chance in hell they are trading Morgan Riley or Nealander, especially since you know Babcock essentially loves Morgan Riley. You know he right. was he was upset last year. He was a proponent of them taking uh, Noah Hannafin at number four instead of Mitch Marner. It was more it was more the call of the, of Mark Hunter and the scouting staff. So I, I don't think that, that the organization and Lou Lamorello would trade their best defenseman when they really don't have any top pairing or second pairing defensemen other than Riley. So I, I mean Toronto will be content with, with drafting Austin Matthews first overall and going after Steven Stamkos on July 1st. I don't think they're going to try to hit the grand slam home run of drafting both um, Matthews and line A 1 2. I think there's more actual chance of the third pick being traded than the second pick. And the, and the fourth pick. The fourth yeah. pick. Yeah, I mean, no, the third pick could go. I mean, you know, is, is that going to be Puyarvi? Is that the feeling? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so. And that would be Columbus, right? Yeah. Because Columbus has. Columbus has pieces that they want to trade besides, you know, they they want to, they may be ready to move on from Hartnell. They may want to trade Jack Johnson. So there's the, there is the ingredients there for a big deal if Kekalainen is interested in trading the third pick. But Russ and I have talked about this before. The fourth pick, mm-hmm. the, the Edmonton pick, is the one I think is sort of the hinge because especially with Philadelphia, if they're you know Edmonton is looking for defensemen and Philly, you've got Provorov, you've got Sandheim, you've got Moran, you've got Hag, you've got Gostisbury. I mean, you've got so many young defensemen right now, and they can't keep all of them. They need to probably move out one of them, maybe two of them, to either get a a, a franchise level player at the top of the draft. You know, they could draft a Dubois or Matthew Kachuk with the fourth pick, and that makes a lot of sense for the Flyers. So I, I would look look out for that more than I would look out for a trade up to number two to get line A. Yeah, I think either one. I think I think two I don't think is going anywhere, but I think three or four you can make a deal for. And, yep. and look, I mean, it, the deal could happen for a three-way deal where Columbus maybe only moves down one spot and Edmonton still trades with Philly. That's I'm looking sort of at the, the bigger scheme there. Yeah. And, but I don't think Philly can get any higher than that, and I don't think Edmonton should take a forward, but they still might. But I think if they were to stay in pat, they should take their defenseman there and and just get your franchise defenseman because at the end of the day, you almost can't trade for a franchise defenseman anymore. With the yeah. exception of Provorov, you know, like who I don't think the Flyers would move. If that's the one player I don't think they would move. I think that's. No, they won't move. Him. I mean, is does Sanheim? I mean. Is Sanheim a franchise defenseman, Russ, that would make that? I mean, I don't think he's that he level, right? He is, but they would have to have assurances that, like, Gosta Spears' hernia surgery is perfect. Right. Okay. And then to bring in, so, so to move to move Sanheim, would Sanheim get you to number four? I don't think so. Not him alone, no. Right. No, probably, I mean, you'd have to Philly, obviously get. Probably Philly's first and a guy like Sanheim. To a move. first Sanheim and something else, whether it's a lower-level roster player or a prospect. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that that makes sense. I mean, and I, I the Flyers definitely have had so many picks and prospects over the last few years that they are looking at this. I know that for a fact. Yeah. I talked to the no, talked they definitely to They really sure. are looking to move up at it up in the draft. Like getting to line A is very difficult, and I, I think the third round pick. I think the third pick overall is not going to move. Up. I would actually think Columbus won't move that as much as you, you we were saying that the second pick won't be moved, just because of the fact that Columbus really what they need is some star power. Like they need a player who can come in there and be 
a little bit of like a something they can really sell, like a player they can sell. They, they need to get rid of a lot of salary, and they are a budget team. That's the only thing. They are, but you know, this this is a kid who's going to be like for five years. You won't have to pay him, right? So PRV, they're bringing PRV. Is he a, is he a superstar? Do we know? I mean, that's we don't know. But does he bring in that kind of power? He could be a star. He could be a star. By all indications, he could be. So that I actually, I actually think the the, the, the main prop the main problem for Columbus when it came to, comes to Puliarvi or whoever will be available at three is that it's not a center. It's not a center who can replace right. Johansson. Puliarvi is a, a talent, but he's a winger. I mean, unless you want to trade down and take Dubois, there's not going to be a – and I don't know if Dubois is a, is a franchise number one center. He, he could is. be. No, he is. But, mm-hmm. but you know, that, 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 I think that, that pick is more risky than Pugliarvi. You'll get really good production out of Pugliarvi. From what I've seen, he looks to be a, you know, a very good NHL player. You will. I think if I'm the Flyers, though, I'm not even trying to get in the top four. I think if I get around eight, I could get a – Terrific, amazing forward. I could still trade some of my defensive depth. I don't have to give up many other picks, maybe one other prospect, and then I can get someone like Alex Nylander, and I think he would fit in great with the Flyers. I think that's the kind of trade they should make. Similar to Couturier, that worked out. Mm-hmm. The Couturier trade worked out, and I think they could look to do something similar because getting in the top five is very hard, but I think getting in the top ten won't be as hard. Right. That makes sense, and they definitely have they pro- they definitely have the assets to pull off something like that. So, yeah. so that'll be fun. Um, that's all the time we have for today. Unfortunately, we've got to leave today right at two o'clock. Um, but we'll be back again tomorrow, and I won't be here, but the the whole crew will be here tomorrow. Jill, Jillian, <laughs> Mike, and Russ will be there. Yeah. Well, um, we say we're going to be here, but if you're not here, who's going to watch us? You don't know. That's true. You, <laughs> you just have a podcast about anything you want to do. If I'm not here. You can just go ahead. That's and right. Yeah. That's right. Well, We'll talk about the people in the front row in St. Louis. Oh, boy. <laughs> yep, just uh, there we go. Remember, without the buzz, folks, it is just hockey. We will look forward to that tomorrow. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.